You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers the 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6 and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. what's up everybody it is officially turkey season here in alabama and in a lot of states here in the southeast super jacked up and i got to watch a turkey die this past weekend and i'm super jacked up to tell you guys all about it today's guest is taylor philpot he's the one who i got to film and uh, we actually got to kill a turkey legally kill a turkey a day earlier than everybody else got to hunt so uh, i'm currently working on this video y'all are gonna hear us refer to the video a lot i'm working on it right now and uh, it should be up on YouTube pretty soon, maybe even by the time this podcast airs. But uh, it's going to be a really fun video. It's a really cool thing. And we're going to talk about the story a little bit today. And I'm going to make this as quick as I possibly can right here so that we can get into this episode with Taylor. Um, I want to let you guys know that you can use the code Southern Ground, all lowercase, all one word, at screegear.com. If you're looking for some new hunting camo, hunting clothes, it's a... Uh, it's a great, a great option to go with, Scree Gear, and uh, like we've mentioned in the past several episodes, they have released a new pattern, which I think is going to be excellent for turkey hunting. It really has a lot more of the darker um, the darker colors, less less of the white that'll kind of pop out at ground level for a turkey, so really excited about using some of that stuff. So again, you can check out ScreeGear.com, also check out TetheredNation.com, that is uh, some of our good friends over there at Tethered, always doing great stuff, always pushing um, to make the saddle hunting community even better and uh, really appreciate what those guys are doing over there. It's tetherednation.com. Check it out if you're looking for some saddle hunting equipment. Everything you need from the ground up, Tethered has it. So check them out. Also, you can check out newcanoe.com if you're interested in getting in the kayak hunting game. And last but not least, Spartan Forge. Make sure you go and check out Spartan Forge. Use the code Southern Ground at checkout and you'll get 25 percent off of your order now when you 
use that code and you get that 25% off, that's the price that you're going to pay forever on Spartan Forge. You're not ever going to pay more than uh, than what it costs when you get that 25% off. And I believe it's somewhere around like 20 bucks for a year, something like that. And so uh, I'm telling you guys, they have a lot of really cool stuff that they're working on right now for uh, public land deer hunters, just deer hunters in general. Um, it uses artificial intelligence and data points to uh, basically tell you what the deer are going to do in your area. They've done a ton of homework on this thing. Again, I've said it before, it's not a gimmick. Like, it actually works. It's very, very, very um, sophisticated artificial intelligence. It's really, really good stuff. So make sure you check out SpartanForge.ai and, uh, and check out what they got there. So... That being said, guys, I hope you've had good luck in the turkey woods. I'm getting ready to head down to South Alabama or around South Alabama, South Central, I guess you could call it. I'm going to be up there or down there for three days. I'm leaving tonight after I get all this work done. After I'm going to try to finish this video, and uh, then I'm going to head down. I'm going to be there for three days. So I'm um, going to try to get one down on the ground. But uh, let's get into this story. This is a really, really fun hunt. Um, we talked about our tactics for being able to actually kill a bird that day. Really good stuff. So uh, let's get into this episode with Taylor Philpot. Well, Taylor, my uh, my reeds are all stuck together, and it's not giving me the rasp that I want. <laughs> you, you want me to do it with my mouth? <laughs> yeah, you do it with the, do it do it how you did it yesterday or uh, Friday. I want to hear. I want to. Everybody, this is Taylor Philpot, and he's our guest for today. And uh, Taylor knows how to do a really good turkey yelp with his mouth, um, just no diaphragm or anything. So Taylor, why don't you why don't you hit that for us? Man, putting the pressure on me. All right. Dude, that's so good, man. It's so dang good. Do you think so? I do. Man, I don't know. I do. I think you could call right. it a turkey with that. Now, uh, Taylor, you haven't you haven't really been turkey hunting for a super long time. You're not like a lifelong turkey hunter, um, and you're starting to learn how to use a diaphragm call and do all that kind of stuff. And I heard you do your diaphragm call on Friday, and then I heard you do that one, and I was like, bro, you need to just screw that diaphragm call, throw it in the trash, and just use that natural voice because that's really good. Um, <laughs> And you can do a gobble too, right? Yeah, I can. Let's hear it. I'm yeah. gonna put you on the I'm spot not, again. I'm not good. Oh man. Okay. That's pretty good, like and it sounds it sounds better in person. Um, I think you have a natural ability to do a turkey call with your mouth, and you really need to work on it, like really develop it. I bet you could do just about anything, and then you don't have to worry about calls That's all the good. Same time. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for the encouragement, because my mouth ball and the reeds not wanting to work <laughs> right and sticking together made me sound like a like a, a dying turkey the other day when we were together. So. You said it sounded more like a Jake yelp, really. Honestly, it had more of like that deep, like kind of kind of sound to it. Um, which I'm Jake, surprised. Jake sound like a dying turkey to me. Yeah, they do. Well. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this or not, but I, I posted a video on YouTube and one of the guys on a Facebook page commented on it. It was like, you need to work on your mouth call. It sounds like a dying dog. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, well, thanks. Bye. Yeah, I definitely read that comment. I'm like, thanks for the encouragement, buddy. Yeah, appreciate that. No, he, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say he was wrong because as I was listening to it while I was editing, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you're a better turkey caller than that. Um, but here's the, yeah, it did sound, it did sound pretty bad. It was, it wasn't very good, especially on that specific day with that call. So, um, I really like that call. It is a, a ghost cut from, I think it's from hooks maybe. Uh, and it's, it's a really good call and it's really good for those like softer, high, like tree yelps and stuff like that. Those like really high pitch. And it's also good. You can really start like just tearing it up on it, and it gives like a really, really high pitched, like scream almost, almost like a coyote call really would. And uh, it, I, I like it. The thing I don't like about it here's the only thing I don't like about it is it's really small. And so if you uh, if you're using it first thing in the morning, and you've been used to using like a regular size, like where the tape is cut a little bit bigger, um, it it, it kind of throws you off a little bit. So you have to kind of get it adjusted. And, uh, so that one was and it, and it has like almost zero rasp to it at all. And so if you, if you hit it the wrong way and, and it doesn't like, it's not settled in your mouth the right way, it can really sound pretty bad, but I killed a turkey that day. So it couldn't have been that bad. You know what I mean? Like uh, they yeah, didn't, they didn't run away at least. So, yeah, I, uh, I've definitely got to be proof that if you can somewhat operate a mouth call, you can still kill a really nice gobbler. I, uh, my first bird I got on YouTube because I wanted to use a mouth call because I wanted to be hands-free while I was hunting. And um, I got on YouTube and mimicked the sounds as much as I could. Went out, called a gobbler in, shot it. I'm like, man, well, turkey hunting is really cool. Way, way easier than killing a 150-inch deer in Alabama. I was like, and this turkey was, was, I mean, just a monster turkey. And I didn't realize it. So, um, didn't really measure anything or weigh it or anything until after I had gutted it and like pulled the beard off and started doing some stuff. And my uncle was like, Hey, you might want to weigh that and measure it. And it was really close to the state record, um, after I gutted it. So who knows? Just as far as, as far as weight. It was close to the state record. Weight, weight, beard length. Um, the spurs were oddly, um, they were really small. But I guess someone near that property um, was feeding them. Because when I cut open that turkey for the first time, I punctured his gut. And um, there was it was just full of corn. I mean, that's, that dude had been eating corn somewhere really good <laughs> uh, in that area. <laughs> But yeah, that's, um, that's crazy. Yeah, man. so here I thought I was like, man, I'm a I'm a champion caller, I guess. Called this gobbler in, and then uh, got my butt whooped the next five years. So yeah, just uh, a couple of days ago was my third bird of all time. Is what we figured out. I thought I'd killed four, but I guess I that was only my third one. But yeah, I've had some really great experiences. Um, clearly, as uh, people will see in the video when it gets put up there on YouTube. I am not the best shot with a shotgun. You know, you give me a, a red dot or a scoped gun and, you know, I'm good to go, but definitely not iron sights on a on a shotgun for sure. So that's uh that's kinda what we're gonna get into a little bit today. Um Taylor, you and I got to go out on Friday and hunt turkeys and you actually ended up killing one. 
that day. And people are listening to this and probably thinking, what the heck? Season didn't open in Alabama until Saturday. Well, if you look at the regulations in the in the Alabama, outdoor Alabama, or wherever you, you find your turkey hunt regulations in the season dates, it has a youth hunt, which is the weekend before, and then it has a special disabled hunt. Um, and it says, I, I believe it says something to the effect of uh, one day prior to all statewide seasons or something like that. Does that sound right? Do you know exactly how it says it? Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. So, so um, Taylor is a uh, a veteran, and he was hurt while he was deployed and deemed disabled by the um, by the military, I guess. And it also falls into the same uh, to the cate- to the right category, I guess, for um, being able to take advantage of that one day early hunt. And so, it was kind of funny. Uh, it was kind of funny. You sent me a message on Facebook and it said like, Hey man, your name has come up, uh, in several conversations. seems like we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, so I guess that means we should probably be friends. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. And I'd seen your name obviously on some of the Facebook groups and stuff. We're friends on Facebook too. And I'd seen your name there. I was like, yeah, it sounds great. And then I actually looked at the mutual friends that we have and it's actually not nearly as many of the like hunting seen friends and more of the like church and ministry type friends and I was like huh so I I think I sent you a message like yeah you're friends with a lot of like church friends that I have and we we ended up kind of just saying hey you, you told me about this hunt that you were going on you're like would you want to go hunt and uh and hang out when I hunt uh and and maybe film it or whatever and I was like yeah sure so we went out and and did that and had a freaking blast, a heck of a time going out there and ended up coming away with a really, really nice gobbler for the first day of the season. I was thinking about it, Taylor. I don't know if you've, if you happen to like look at any harvest reports or anything, if it shows up, I don't know if Alabama has like a real time harvest report that you could look up, but you may have killed other than youth. You may have killed the first turkey of 2021 in Alabama for an adult. Like it's really a, a very high possibility that that happened. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool to think about. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there's gotta be more, more people that did that hunt, but, uh, there's a, there's a really good likely chance that you, that you killed the first one in Alabama and a nice one at that. And yeah. so today, I, uh, I put the. Go ahead. I put the uh, I put the take to him, so officially, was right under an eleven inch beard and an inch and a quarter spurs on both sides. Nice, dude. Those spurs were. They were nothing to. Uh, they were nothing to pass up. I, I think I told you, at one point when we were out there and we were glassing these birds up when we had cut them off that one time. And they were still far away. I said, I think that back one has longer spurs. And because uh, I was I was looking at them through the camera and zooming in on him. And I was like, man, that back one looks like he has got some freaking like hooks <laughs> on his legs. And he was definitely the subordinate of the two. Um, and I don't think, did we ever see him once strut? 
No, we didn't. I saw him the day before, right before they went on roost, when I was out, you know, kind of scouting where we were going to go. And I saw him puff up just slightly one time. And that, that dominant gobbler came out of strut, ran over to him, and then strutted right in his face like he was going to pop him. And uh, he went back down and acted like he was eating. Like, oh, I didn't do anything. That wasn't me. Nope. <laughs> no, didn't nothing over here. And then, uh, and then that the dominant gobbler went back to strutting for the ladies. But that, uh, yeah, on Friday, I didn't see anything whatsoever from him, um, which was really interesting to see. And he was almost always behind him. He was almost always behind. Yeah. The the bigger That's one. Right. Anywhere they were going, he stayed behind them and. When the big one would stop, he would stop and look around, and then and it just kind of keep going like that. So tell me a little bit. Obviously, I was there, but tell everybody kind of what your plan was going into the hunt um, on Thursday. You you found these birds out in the field, and kind of kind of describe that whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. So Thursday. Um, we had overcast weather. It was misting rain, not a really heavy rain, but just misting rain. And I was kind of hitting all my spots and driving to them, walking in, you know, seeing if anything was straightened and just trying to figure out where we were going to go. And, uh, went to this one spot and I'm like, well, I guess this is it because it was getting close to dark. And, um, there was, you know, the two gobblers on the field with, I think it was two hens that morning. Uh, or that evening, maybe three. And then when the rain got a little bit heavier, I saw them fly up and roost. And still not sure if they stayed exactly right there, but they were in that general vicinity for sure. And, um, you know, the goal was to go in that next morning, uh, sit down, then come off roost and land right in front of us and, and have a 10 minute hunt and it'd be over. Um, of course, that's not what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So we had a decoy out, and we, you know, when me and Parker were talking, um, we really believed that the the decoy is actually what hurt us because we had a hen come in and feed right off roost, and she saw it and turned the other way, and we think, you know, just that gravitational pull of him being locked down on those hens, it pulled them down into a, a bottom, and then they came up the road out way in the middle so of the field. Let me, let me, there's just no way. Let me interrupt you for a second. Taylor, um, because you're going <laughs> to, if you keep telling the story at, at that rate, we're going to be, we're going to be done in like 10 minutes. Um, but there, <laughs> there was some things that happened in between that, that, uh, were kind of interesting about this situation. So you had seen them roost up about 30 yards off of that field, off of that pasture up in the trees. And so when we snuck in there that night or that morning, um, in the dark, we, believed that those birds were going to be roosted up 30 yards right in those trees um and so as the sun came up and, and there was the, the other thing that you had said you were like hey man the hens out here they don't really make a lot of noise he's like they they just you, you said they have they have a lot of predators in the area or whatever and so the hens don't make just a ton of noise which was very true and we didn't hear any fly down cackles. We heard gobbling on the roost from two, possibly three different turkeys, different gobblers. And they were, none of them were where 
you felt like those birds had roosted at, which was which was kind of interesting, you know, whenever you did roost them the night, night before, when you saw them fly up, it was raining. They roosted more than likely because it was raining, and it seemed, it may have seemed darker than it actually was. Um, it may have seemed like it was later in the day than it actually was. And so there's a chance. Yeah, definitely, yeah. There's a chance that it could have, you know, they could have got down after you left and, and moved somewhere else. Uh, I just don't, I, yeah. I have no idea now, but it, we never heard any fly down cackles. We never, we only heard that one hen. When I did do a call real briefly, we heard that one hen start calling back. And that was pretty much all the vocalization yep. we heard as far as after fly down. Is that right? Am I, am I missing that's anything right. right there? No, I think that's it. I mean, the hen was definitely in the location of where they all flew up to roost now that, you know, I think back on it. And then if they flew off the roost and, you know, something that I didn't know is that the landowner had cut in a road right down, right, I mean, directly under where they would have roosted. And, you know, for them to come up in the middle of the field where that road came out, you know, they might have just flown straight down onto that road. Um, So they might have been roosted right there um, now that I really think about it. And then that hen just, she, you know, went and connected with them and the other hens, you know, maybe on that road because they all came up in the field together. Yeah. I was just, as you were just kind of playing that back, I just kind of put that together and thought, hey, maybe they were actually in, you know, they just were silent and they didn't make much noise. They didn't make any noise except for that one hen. Mm -hmm. Well, and the, the, crazy thing was we didn't really ever hear anything fly down we never saw anything fly down um Mm-mm. you know it was it was fairly quiet honestly for about the first hour and a half of the day there was not a whole lot going on we might hear one of those birds sound off just like very rarely but then all of a sudden we did let out a call and did some just really soft clucks and purrs on a glass call that I've got and uh that was enough to get her kind of pissed off a little bit. Um, But at the end of the day, really what you said was very true. What you said was true was extremely true in that in your experience, the birds just did not vocalize a whole lot, Um, especially the hens, which to me was a, a pretty important part because as much as I wanted to just like, I really wanted to call, you know, I mean, not a lot, not over call, but just call some because to pull in some of those gobblers and kind of your thing was like, Hey man, they're going to come into this field at some point. And when they do, we can just kind of try to make something happen, which is ultimately what, what ended up happening. But, um, what you said there at the beginning of that, when that hen came in the field and saw that decoy, like she, she went over the hill and we were like, is she still there? And she just, she fed for just a second out of sight and then left. And there's a really good chance. I was thinking about this today. There's a really good chance that those two gobblers were probably in gun range. We just couldn't see them. You know what I mean? Like she came into the field. Those hens were always in front of the gobblers the whole time that when we did finally get eyes on them, they were always in front of them. So if she came out in that field and saw the decoy, and then once we get further into the story, you'll hear more about 
kind of the way that those hens were acting towards any type of call. But um, <laughs> she saw it and was gone pretty much. And then they ended up coming out, you know, in another spot. So go ahead and pick up kind of where you left off. And if I said anything right there that uh, you want to kind of expound on a little bit, go you can go for that too. Yeah, um, I think, you know, that pretty much covers it all. So, yeah, start of the day, didn't hear a whole lot. And then, you know, hour and a half or so into the day, um, which it was a beautiful overcast day, no sun, uh, great temperatures. Um, I couldn't have asked for a, a better day to, to go out there. Um, we're super grateful for that. But, um, they come out into the middle of the field. I mean, what, what would you say, 200 yards away maybe, 150 yards away? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And then they uh, they always go over to this one spot by this, fishing pond i don't know what's over there but they uh they like to to feed over there so we were trying to get a game plan okay are they going to go into the woods over there by that pond or are they going to come across the dam of the pond and come back up to the field where we were which they quite possibly would have if the decoy wasn't there because we were in like the prime location of where they love to feed and where they love to strut and um i think that decoy did just have a lot to do with it so they you know, they make their way over to the pond, and we're trying to strategize, okay, do we go after them? Do we cut around through the woods and try to come out into the field? And, you know, we really couldn't make up our minds, and really I couldn't make up my mind because I just knew what kind of a money spot that we were in in that field. And uh, that's when you just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing, and I'm like, ah, okay, let's do something. <laughs> So this we, is where this is where I, I was yeah. trying not to like let me let me explain I was trying because my thing was I don't want to be the guy that um comes in on your turf and be like this is how we need to go and do it I definitely don't want to be that guy um but as we're sitting there watching them I'm just like man I don't know that they're gonna come over here and it looked like if I'm just reading them the way that I would read like a public land turkey in you know, in the hardwoods, you know, I, I don't have a ton of pasture type property that I am able to hunt, but if I'm looking at my past scenarios, what has worked versus what hasn't worked. And usually what hasn't worked is just waiting on them. You know what I mean? To come to where I'm at. And what typically does work is unless it's a gobbling bird that's by himself or with another gobbling bird, but with hens, the way that I've always had success on them is just going after them, you know, just being a little bit more aggressive. So I didn't want to be the guy that came in and was like, no, we need to do it this way. And so I was just like, hey, man, it's up to you. This is what I would do. And I just was like kind of like hinting at it a little bit, you know. And also I'm thinking in terms of video, like it's a pretty cool video to go after them, you know, Um which in the in the grand scheme of things, I'm I'm very glad that we did, um, because yeah. as long as we had that decoy there, I just don't know that they would have ever come over, for sure. That's right. Yeah. It, um, uh, but yeah. So um, now I will say this: I do remember in the the white turkey video that you just posted, uh, which was an awesome video. Beautiful turkey, man! What an awesome opportunity to to mount you know, and have that memory forever. But um, I do remember one time in that video, 
you were on a spot and then it sounded like the turkeys went right back to that spot that you had just left. Yep. And I was, I had that in my mind. It's, it's funny that we're sitting here talking about it. I had it in my mind. Well, you know, we, I just watched your video. And I'm like, <laughs> we stayed, you, if you would have stayed, you would have got them probably that earlier, you know, an, an earlier day. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to get aggressive into, you know, this isn't thousands of acres of public land mm-hmm. or even, hun- I mean, hundreds of acres. It's like a hundred acres. And so I didn't want to push them across the boundary that I can't cross and, you know, be up the creek with no paddle and, hey, there go the turkeys and here we are because now we spooked them for at least the morning time. And I was really wanting to get a morning bird and not have to spend all day out there, which, you know. Um, so we start working down this this edge of this transition between the field and the, the wood line. And uh, it gets to a place where this one hen would not move. If she would have just eased up, we could have got down, low crawled, probably, uh, a, you know, across the pond dam and then popped up over the top of the hill where they were feeding out in the, the field on that other spot and probably said, you know, you know, dusted off our hands and said, good job. And had a turkey right there. But, you know, those hands were giving us a run for the money. Yeah, and, and she was, she was like, there were, uh, I think there were four hens and two toms in that group, and she would not daggum move. And I'm sitting there filming and watching this bird just strut in a really a prime location to be able to kill, to be able to kill him. I mean, to be able to belly crawl right up over that rise, there was a dip where the pond is, and you could have just... I could have filmed from right there where I was at, filmed you crawling, and it would have just been great. We would have just been had a great video right there. We would have ended ended it, and uh, it just isn't what happened. That's right. I think you I think you waved at the end just so we could get better footage so the yeah. hunt went end. I just didn't see it because I was on the ground. She caught our wind. That's what happened. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it was. They winded us. <laughs> We we forgot to put our dead down wind on. <laughs> we didn't spray our nose jammer <laughs> on our boots, man. I knew that's what what was going on. They just kept getting our that's wind. Exactly right. It was just it was the thermals pulling from that pond or rising up out of that pond <laughs> straight to them, man. Yeah. It was just that's like I wish we could right. talk about turkeys like that. You know, tactical talk oh, about man. turkeys where it's like it, it almost oh, would make man. it make it a little bit better. Yeah. I'm I'm glad they can't smell. We'd never kill one. I don't think. If no, they can smell. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was, I was... I was out hunting today, and the wind was blowing right towards them. And I was like, man, I think God, these aren't deer. I would never kill them. Yep. I struggled bad enough as it is trying to kill a turkey. If they could smell, I'd be screwed. Yeah. But but it was it was a it was a interesting situation. So I'll kind of talk about it from my perspective in that moment. So you had low-crawled about maybe 40, 30 to 40 yards in front of me, and I stuck by this tree where I could kind of, I could film the turkeys and I could film you and you were still on your belly and I wasn't sure if you could see them or not, but we were in a situation where the, the, I had let out like a really, really like not aggressive call just to, just to see what they would do. At this point, we hadn't really called to these turkeys. Like we didn't, we didn't do much calling to them before that. 
And so then they were, you know, just right outside of gun range. I would say, especially with your TSS, you're shooting the three and a half inch federal TSS. They were probably at that point standing at about 80 yards. And some people, I mean, I've seen videos of people shooting them that far. But when you got these two toms that are that close to each other and you got the, the spread of the pattern, it just wouldn't be a wise decision to do that. But they were really right on the edge of, of what an effective gun range would probably be. And, um, and we, I, I didn't want to ruin it. That, that was my thing. I, we, were, we were far enough away that we couldn't really communicate. Um, I had my call, and I could have called, and that was about the only situation or scenario of the day that I felt like we might have a decent chance of being able to pull those those toms in because I had let out just a really faint one and those hens they started sprinting away just trying to take those toms away but the toms if you remember right they stuck back a little bit they were like yeah but what's that over there you know almost their yeah, body it's language like the of the day mhm i mean it was it their the, i was trying to read their body language and those hens were, you know, they were getting out of dodge and the toms were staying around and they would, they would turn back our direction and walk a couple steps like they wanted to come a little bit closer. And, and we were really in a good spot to where if they came down, they would have to come down that pond to kind of see where we were at or at least come a little bit closer and probably get, give you a shot. But, um, I didn't call again because I, I, I knew what you had said, and I, like I said before, I didn't want to be that guy that just comes in and ruins your spot. Um, I know what I would do in a situ in a similar situation, but you know the birds. I think I said it that day. You know the birds there and how they act towards stuff, and so I didn't want to I didn't want to mess anything up. And so when those hens started running, it kind I was kind of like, oh, we don't I don't need to I don't I don't want to you know mess it up, even though those toms kind of seemed that like they might be interested or at least come a little bit closer. So I didn't call anymore and they ended up, you know, doing their thing. And, and after that, uh, you walked back over to me and I was like, man, I wanted to call. And you're like, yeah, I kind of thought you might, you might should have. I was like, crap, I should have done it anyways. Yeah. Um, I know. I was trying to like wave my foot at you, but you know, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't prearrange that sign language of any kind. No, well, you know, the, the more time I should also throw in that me and you, this, this is the first time we had ever met. Like we never met That's until right. that morning. Yeah. And so we hadn't hunted yeah, together. So you didn't before. have that. That's right. Like the, you didn't have like the instinct. Like I know what he's trying to tell me right now. Cause exactly. Our relationship was like a, an hour and a half, two hours long. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I was trying yeah. to just be the camera guy. You know, I was, I wasn't trying to, trying to take over or anything like that and uh and and you were right man i mean i'm not i'm not afraid to admit it everything that you said that i kind of thought in my head was like i don't know if i'd do it that way yeah i mean you were spot on with almost all of it uh like i can't think of anything and that's a really important thing to remember too is that you know you know the lay of the land you know the their behaviors you know just little things about the turkeys in your area that you hunt that I don't necessarily know. And, and while turkeys are, you know, probably not really capable of a lot of reason or anything like that, they do 
diff, a little bit different things depending on the area that you're in. And so that's an important thing to learn. You know, if you're going into a new, if you're going into a new place, you know, a new state, if you're hitting public land in a new state, um, don't be the guy that's asking for spots or asking for WMAs, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to call a biologist or call somebody that you know that hunts the area and just be like, hey man, not asking for an area or a, or a specific location or anything like that. I just want to know what those turkeys respond to. You know what I mean? And um, I've been some places where they really like a crow call. I've been places where they really like an owl hoot. I've been places where they like a slate or a, a box call. It just kind of depends on the birds in your area, what they like the most. And so uh, you yeah. were you were definitely spot on with that, with all everything that yeah. you said, you know. I, um, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, um, learning the birds in your area because I've, I've been hunting places where, it, I mean, you could just call, 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 and you're going to get a gobble back every time, you know, 12 hours of a day. And then, you know, you have this property where I think, you know, the, the turkeys, you know, it's like all the turkeys just mimic the behavior of the turkeys that they've been around their whole life. And, you know, I've seen multiple coyotes and um, lots of other predators, bobcats in that area. And I think it's just they've learned to to not vocalize very loud at all and uh, or a lot. And the, the unique setup about this property is that there's like one, two, three fields. There's a fourth one, and they kind of rotate between all four of these fields. And, um, you know, it's it's limited ground of what we have access to. So trying to figure out, okay, I know where the turkeys are going next. I know what their their patterns are. So how in this specific scenario can we increase our odds the most? And in this one, it was call as little as possible. Okay, the decoy's not working today. The hens are pulling them away, doing the opposite of what we want. Let's pull the decoy out. And then let's try to figure out where they're going next so we can catch them in a transition area. Mm -hmm. And by the time we kind of decided, like, hey, we got to go, at that point, we were a little late on that first transition area, so we had to wait till they got to the second transition area between that second and third field. And um, it was just really, you know, knowing the turkey behavior, but also knowing the lay of your land and really strategizing what are these turkeys going to do with this lay of the land and where's the best place that I can put myself to increase my odds, which is very similar to deer hunting. Uh, deer hunting has a whole lot more strategy, I feel, that goes into it, and it's a lot more difficult when you're hunting, you know, extremely mature bucks. But at the same time, you can you can take a lot of the principles and put them all on each other and stack them and, and, you know, get some strategy going. So I've, you know, I've hunted deer since I was eight years old and have plenty on the wall and plenty of meat I've put in the freezer over the years. But I am newer to turkey hunting, so I have to learn what I have, you know, learn from deer hunting and apply it to turkey hunting. But there is still so much more I have to learn, like how to use a mouth call or a box or a slate. I don't know how to use any of them. <laughs> and so, and I got a, I got an owl call this, this 
year, and I can still alcohol better with my mouth than I can with the alcohol. So I was like, maybe I just need to stick to just, you know, my my, my just using my mouth alone and uh, no calls whatsoever and just trying to master that, like you said. It'd be a lot less complicated. That's for dang sure. <laughs> it's Yeah, that's right. I, I was looking at all the crap I have in my vest uh, yesterday. I went out. Um, yesterday and I was just like man I'm carrying so much crap and realistically I use 10% of it you know <laughs> I'm not using it yeah. you know like I always I'm like, I'm like I'm not this way with deer but with turkeys I am this way in that I'm like well I might use that at some point you know and uh, I could probably lighten the load a little bit if I would just simplify a little bit more in my turkey vest for sure so so we yeah. we got to you know, we, where we cut them off, we had the, once those hens ran off and they took the gobblers with them, um, we kind of stepped back and like, okay, what do we do now? We're going to go all the way back to where we were at. We're going to take down the decoy just in case they do end up cutting back and come in our direction. Um, but judging by what we saw, they were going to go, they were cutting all the way across the field. And going in onto another another field, they would cross a thin strip of hardwoods, a creek bottom, and go into another field. What we didn't know at this point was which direction they were going to head once they got to that other field. And so we did a big, huge loop, went all the way back to where we were, looped around, went down a steep hill and back up a steep hill to get back up to this other field that there is a long field that they were going into. We got up there and we saw them. We weren't necessarily, I think we were right on time as far as, you know, the the timing that they got there. The problem was, is that they were still 150 yards away and they weren't coming our direction. They were just going all the way across that field. And so we had to sit there frozen once we got there, I mean, literally we got there and two minutes later they were stepping into that field and, um, and we watched every single one of them just cross right by and just stand there. I mean, they weren't doing anything quickly. They had no idea we were there. They were just, you know, doing their thing. And so I think where you kind of left off is they went up over, they went up over a, a, a little rise to where they couldn't see us anymore. And that's when you came back. And we kind of started talking about what's our next option. We looked at the Onyx maps, tried to see what was over there. And what we found was that there was a really long pond um, that was going to be, unless they flew across, it was going to be very likely that they were not going to cross that pond. Um, And so we had a quick decision that we had to make right there. So you can kind of... pick up right there i guess that's probably the best spot yeah absolutely yeah so having the the pond as a boundary was just like okay i really doubt they're gonna fly across the pond so we knew that we could kind of push them into a corner and they would have to make a decision to go back to the field that we started in or cut down uh, a wood line between the pond and the field that we were watching them strut in and get back to another backfield and, and another transition zone that where we could potentially, um, you know, at this point, we didn't really know past that point. You know, we're just trying to live 
moment by moment. So the ultimate strategy was right there, sneak up on them, kill them, end the hunt there. But that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> no. Nope. I definitely need to. I need to pattern my gun. I need to practice shooting the shotgun. Um, I need to practice using iron sights. All the things that I was taught as a child that uh, I have not redone since I was an adult. Um, and I haven't patterned the gun with the new TSS load. Uh, I will admit uh, to, to doing that. I know there's somebody out there that's like thinking I'm committing the cardinal sin, but when you have a wife and three kids and a business to run and a new house to get moved into, um, sometimes you run out of time and you can't pattern your gun with your new load. So here I am, I'm shooting this, this really nice choke on my gun with this really nice loads and um, it's probably shooting a baseball out of it up to 70 yards. I don't even know if it if, if it even spreads out at this point because um have an opportunity on the gobblers. I kind of hesitate. I'm like, ah, Let's, wait, I don't wait, wait, know wait. which gobbler. Wait. Oh, 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 okay. The, this was, to me, this was the coolest part okay. of the whole hunt in that what what, okay. we, what we did right there, when we started kind of just running through the field and then into the into the wood line just a little bit to keep our cover, once they went up over that rise and we kind of got between that that structure that the landowner had there and and kind of used that to block our movement. That was, to me, that was really cool. And then from that moment on, whenever I stayed back behind that and, and you kind of did the crawl. So kind of detailed, talk about, talk about that brief moment because that's where the hunt really, I thought, he's about to kill it. Like that, that bird yeah. is about to die. Yeah, for sure. So I caught a glimpse. This bird, the, the, the main one that we were after, the dominant one, had a bright white head. I don't even remember seeing any red or blue in his head whatsoever while he was strutting. Um, I just remember like popping up and seeing just like white golf ball head of his. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to low crawl to this point. I'm going to pull up my gun and I'm going to shoot him. So um, let, let me just put it this way. I took a couple of ibuprofens before the hunt and then um, did not expect to low crawl that much. But I think by the time we were about, what, three quarters of the way through the hunt, I was definitely physically regretting the low crawl. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've low crawled since boot camp. And, um, yeah. Well, and the thing um, is, is when people watch this video, they're going to be like, that guy doesn't look very disabled. Um, that's right. That was a, that was a mentality thing. I think for you, that was really impressive because while, while you were down there, I mean, you really, you, you really wanted to kill this bird. And so you were putting your body through things that it really doesn't want to go through at this point with, with where your injury is at and things. And so like, you know, I know people are going to watch it and be like, that guy doesn't look disabled. But what they don't know is that your kneecaps were swollen and you couldn't feel your hand. And like you had all kinds of weird stuff going on with your body that you were just really pushing through. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think when they recruit people for special forces in the military, I don't know if they do it because it's a skill set. Or because you're just so dumb, you just push through any pain whatsoever. And so, ultimately, it's like when that mode of like hunting down that turkey kicks in, it's it's 
uh, similar to being in the military and in certain situations. And it's like, that's your mission is to take out that turkey. And no matter what, you know, nothing's going to get in your way. And then I think there's also a misconception when, when people watch this. I think there's a misconception when someone hears a disabled veteran. It was something that I thought and struggled with mentally for the longest was um, I thought it meant an amputee, somebody who's lost a limb or somebody who is permanently in a wheelchair or someone who um, just, you know, is a paraplegic in some way or another. And then you meet other disabled veterans out there and you're like, hey, you look kind of normal like I do what's going on in your body. And a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of nerve damage issues and um, skeletal muscle issues that really impact veterans just because of what their bodies have went through. And for me, mine is my, my neck and back has some major nerve damage from an incident that happened when I was in the military. And that's my primary issue that I have. And then I have a a left shoulder that's bad. I have, you know, my fingertips all the way down to my fingertips and my toes are constantly tingling. You know, my left knee is definitely pretty much gone. My right knee has issues. And then my feet pretty much permanently hurt 24-7 no matter what I do. Like sitting here right now, my feet are killing me. Um, so I don't sleep most nights. I um, everybody's like, I don't know how you get up so early and go deer hunt or go turkey hunt or go do this or that. And I'm like, I don't sleep anyway, so I might as well get out and do something that I enjoy. And that's another thing is, like, I enjoyed this, and I got into it because it was, like, the one sport that I could still do to where if I was hurting really bad that day, I could literally just sit or stand in a location, still experience the outdoors, still experience experience the sport but not go hard at it mm. where you know friday i'm like it's opening day i'm going to take some ibuprofen i'm going to feel good when i go out there i'm going to try to get a good night's rest as much as i can and you know i'm going to push my body hard because i really want to make this happen and i had we had an ideal situation recently in those birds that you've been before and uh, I was just super excited about it. And sometimes your adrenaline gets going, you push your body too much, which is uh, why I was supposed to get up and go early Saturday morning. And I slept in till like eight o'clock and then tried to go hunting and the birds had already strutted through and disappeared. <laughs> huh. uh, so um, I'm talking the freshest of fresh tracks were in these spots. And I'm like, well, I guess I shouldn't have slept in. Yeah. They're gone now. <laughs> yep. Um, so, um, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's get back to where we were at in the hunt. So, um, this bird is just right over this knoll, um, I low crawl for maybe what, I don't know, 10, 15 yards. I pop my head up, I bear, I, I see just, just the white and I'm like, Oh, there he is. And I sink back down and then I crawled maybe another 10 yards. And just knew that I was going to pop up and he was going to be like right there. And I popped up a little bit too much because he made eye contact with me. And I was like, I should have just raised on up and shot him right there. But I thought he was a little further away than what he actually was. So I would drop back down real fast, hoping that he didn't see me. And by the time I low crawled another maybe five or ten yards, he was already heading into the tree line. So I decided I'm going to get up on my feet 
and just ease in. And I think that's when you made the move with the camera coming in behind me. So you can pick up from your perspective there. So, so during this whole time, I was, I was, uh, I was, you know, hanging back at this, at this, uh, this structure that the, the, you know, the landowner had there or whatever. And, um, I was, I was just kind of hanging back. I was using it to block me and, and film. And so I, I wasn't really keeping tabs on you as much as I was keeping tabs on the bird because he was standing right there at the tree line like he was about to go in the woods towards that long pond. Uh, and also, I could not see any of the other turkeys. I could only see that one that one strutter. I didn't see any other birds right there. And, and I had a really good camera shot at him to where if you would have been able to pop up there, I would have gotten everything on camera right then and there. And so I wasn't really keeping tabs on you, and all of a sudden I see the bird kind of, he wasn't really looking your direction, um, but he just kind of, he kind of dropped out of strut, not fully, I mean he still had some feathers up and stuff, and his tail fan was kind of half, half strut, and, and he looked in the woods, and then he just kind of casually walked into the woods, and then I see you pop up like right there. I was like, "Oh my gosh! I don't, I don't even know if he knows that that turkey was literally standing just <laughs> right there." And you pop up right in that in that same spot, raise your gun up, and you're walking into the woods. I was like, "Waiting, waiting, waiting!" Like he sees him. I know he sees him. And you have your gun yep. shouldered, man. And I was just like, "He's got to see him." And then you just just disappear in the woods, and I wait for a few seconds. And I'm like, "Uh." Well, I'm going to walk over there because I need to get something better on film than what I've got right now. Because right now I've got an empty field with <laughs> nobody there. And so I <laughs> I drop down in there and, and come back up to the top and look around. I'm like, I don't know where this joker is. And talking about you, I'm like I have no idea where he is. And I, all of a sudden I look over and I see you shouldered, standing still in a shooting position. And I just like swing the camera right in your direction, like right then, I, like right as you proceeded to do the next part where I'll let you pick up on. I, I just froze right on you. I got you pretty good on camera right there. Yep. So um, when I popped up, I could see two turkey heads, two, two toms in the woods. And I could see, all I could see was their heads. And I'm like, man. And they were the exact same color at that point. Because I guess when he came out of strut, his head got some coloration back to it. And I just remember seeing two heads. And I'm like, man, I'm going to shoot that subordinate. And I want to shoot the main dominant one. And then, you know, lo and behold, it probably wouldn't have mattered which one I shot. Because they were both great birds. But it was just like I really just wanted that one specific bird. Like, I want to shoot the top dog because I'm the top dog. You know, like I'm getting this this bird. <laughs> so I hesitate. I hesitated and I didn't shoot right there. And the one that I thought was him, which at that time, I think it was the one that was closer to me because of how they went into the woods. Um, I had a perfect shot at him, and then the other one was behind some brush. I'm like, man, should I shoot? Ah, oh, no, that might be the subordinate because the subordinate had been behind the whole time. And then so I second-guessed it, and then they kind of trotted on around. 
And what was crazy is they were actually circling back around exactly kind of what we thought because they hit that pond and they knew they need they had nowhere else to go. So they started circling around. They're actually coming right back to you. And um, as I went around, I saw one turkey head go, and I'm like, you know what? I don't care which one at this point. Now I'm just like, I'm going to kill a bird. That's all I want. So I pull up my gun. I'm waiting for an opening, and I shot, and I'm like, yes. I saw it, like wings kind of flap up, and I thought it was just going to flop. And then he just recovered and, and kind of cruised around to the, you know, away from the pond and disappeared. And I'm like, well, okay. What in the world do we do now? And where, where I was actually, where I was actually standing at, I saw a bunch of turkeys. I, I filmed them. Once you shot, I saw a bunch of turkeys fly up, and and uh, kind of walked over there, assuming that you had killed the turkey, the the gobbler that we were after. And I walked over there, and you're like, uh, I think I whiffed it. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely whiffed, and yeah, I changed out my, so I had a, a, just a bead on the end of my shotgun, and during a dove hunt, um, you know, and I think it's September, maybe, is when dove season is, um, during a dove hunt, the sucker just popped off, huh. and I'm like, well, this is going to be a fun rest of the dove hunt, and sure enough, I think I'd only shot one bird from that point on, and we saw like 50, and um so I couldn't figure out how to get the bead set back in there without it being off because the glue wasn't going to set it right. And then it was probably going to pop off again. They're going to be in the middle of hunt. And so I switched out to this little iron pot, pot set up. And, um, yeah, I guess I just, I should have probably went and shot my gun before the season because I whiffed big time. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't a very far shot. I mean, it was maybe, what, 20 yards. And I, I had to go just right over top of his head. Um, but I, again, I only had about a, he was probably, I probably had a baseball of his head that I could see. So I didn't have a, a huge shot opportunity there, but it was enough to where I should have killed him for sure. And then, so I'm like, yep, I whiffed it kind of like swallowing my pride and, you know, but thinking like, wait, hold on. It's like we had this aha moment of they're headed into the transition zone of the next field. And I think we can go cut them off. And I don't know what you were thinking in that moment, but I was like, this is going to be it. Like, I knew it. I knew, like, I had a good feeling about it. So what were your thoughts when I was like, hey, let's go cut them off? Yeah, my thoughts right there were, you know, I saw, I clearly saw birds fly up. And I saw them fly what looked like in different directions. Like, they were just kind of, like, puzzled. They didn't really know what to do. They were just flying and getting away from the danger. And in my, my experience in the past is that if, if a hen, if, if like flocked up and hen up birds get separated from their, from their flock because of something like this, they become instantly a lot more killable and a lot more responsive to calling because that's really what they do. You know, when they get separated like that, that's when the birds, the toms start gobbling, the hens start making noise because they're trying to regroup and get back together, and so what I thought was like, hey, it, we kind of married both of our thoughts together, really, in the end, I was like, I was like, dude, if they all, if they all split up, then we need to go and try to find a spot to, 
get in front of them, which is what you were saying, and then try to call them back to each other, like try to call those toms back because they're going to be looking for their hens. And, and I thought this might be a really good opportunity for us to actually utilize calling a little bit more. And so we kind yeah. of married both of those thoughts together in there. And obviously you knew the area better than I did. And so you kind of had an idea of which, when I told you, yeah, they, some of them flew this way. You said, yeah, dude, they're going right back to that, to that other field that we hadn't been to yet. That's the bottom of the hill. And, uh, and so we started kind of making a plan to get over there. Yeah. And, you know, as we're making our way, um, through this kind of, to this transition point that I had a really good feeling that they were going to hit. Um, I'm like, I I just remember being like, Oh no, like we got to get there really quick because it's a very small window of opportunity that we have. And so we're kind of, easing down through this transition zone and out behind a tree pops one hen and you're like, Oh, wait, wait, wait. And you're like, Oh, there's another one. And then I can't remember if I thought this or you said it or whatever, but like, Hey, the gobblers are next. And then boom, out pops a gobbler. And I remember thinking like, dang, that's like a 60 yard shot. And uh, I'm like, I, I, guess I need to like ease up and hope the one behind like the one the second one comes in and about that time I all I remember is you saying shoot 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 and I'm like I'm having this like perplexed moment in my head of like it's too far I can't shoot and then I'm like well I got these TSS loads I guess I'll just throw a Hail Mary up and just see what happens and then I'm like no I can make this shot like that's a doable shot and then so line up on the first one pulled the trigger and I'm like well I don't know if I hit it or not and you're like you missed shoot the other one shoot the other one so then the second one comes in behind it and boom the rest is history he hit it hits him he rolls flop done end of story we're pumped celebrating fist bumping high five and doing all the stuff um so but I uh, right there in in that um, you'll see it in the video whenever you shoot and I've rewatched this footage uh, again on my computer where I could see it a little bit better that first that first shot at the at the at the lead one that came through um, at first off I don't think we were as far as what we thought we were I really don't um, it can you make it look like it was far in yeah. the video? <laughs> I don't know. People, Can you make it look like it was at least sixty or seventy yards? People don't like that with turkey hunting. They'll they'll call you out on it real quick. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have taken that shot. These purists on on the YouTube's are like, kind of, they're they're opinionated, son of guns and yeah, uh, and dogs and all. Yeah. So, uh, but I really don't think it was all that. I think it was about may, maybe fifty forty five to fifty yards or something. And also, we were kind of downhill. Yeah or we were, we were shooting downhill. And so it made it look a little bit further. Right. Um, but the thing I was going to say is on that first shot, the, the, the first one that, that you shot at, at that, in that moment, he actually flew off. Like you shot and he, you know, I, I, I looked at him and I thought that he was about to flop, but what he did was he was just trying to get ground. He was going uphill. He was going up that Ridge and he was trying to get a little bit of, uh, uh, momentum to fly and that's what he did he just flew off and uh and and you kind of stopped and i was like 
that other one's going to come through. You missed it. He's flying away. And, uh, and so that other one came through. And, but, but also, the other thing that happened when I watched it on the big screen is that you nailed a tree on that, on that first shot. It was like you were leading the bird as he was walking through, and he got perfectly behind the biggest tree right there. And you can see it. I mean, just right in the moment that you shoot, it smacks that tree. And so I think you probably would have killed him if that tree wouldn't have been right there because your shot was right on. But it smacks that tree really hard, <laughs> like really hard. Man, that's what uh, it's so cool about video is <laughs> being able to know that. Yeah. Okay, maybe I am okay with the shotgun. First time, maybe not. Second time, I was like, man, I really aimed hard at that bird and took my time. I felt like and made a good clean shot. So that does make me feel a little bit better. Yeah, and dude, you freaking rolled him like he was done. <laughs> he was so done. Yeah, that second shot was uh was money for sure. The thing um, I the thing that was yeah. that was crazy is that I mean it was a, a fairly far shot, you know. It wasn't like he was close range or anything for a for a shotgun. Um but when you look at where you actually hit the bird on that shot and that's one of those shots that you make obviously when you're set up and you got a good rest and you're, you know, sitting down, you can make those head shots and stuff, but these type of shots, it's just not likely, you know. I'm, I know you did hit some, some pellets did go into his head, uh, into that ne- neck area. You could see where he was bleeding at, but um, the majority of the shot actually uh, was kind of like center mass. And dude, I mean, a lot of those pellets, even as far away as that shot was, like it was still a really tight pattern, you know, where where you could actually tell yeah, that you hit him. I mean, it it was almost like you shot him with a rifle. You know, that spot was yeah definitely covered. That's exactly right. Yeah, and then when I when I you know defeathered and and went to cut out the the breast meat, um, the large majority of that shot spread must have stayed really close together as it went through the vitals because um, the the breast lungs, heart, everything with that TSS load was literally disintegrated inside really? of his body. Um, I, I'd recovered zero meat other than his leg bone. So um, it was <laughs> it was a lethal load, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's my first time shooting the tungsten. So, um, Gave him the old, the old uh, tungsten lethal. tap. That's right, the tungsten tap. I like that. But, um, yeah, it was Man, just an incredible hunt. Um, I was pumped. It actually, you know, when I lined up on that first one to miss and then hit the second one, um, it just reminded me, I, uh, back when I was like maybe 15, 16 years old, uh, I went out shooting with a bunch of old guys shooting traps for the first time and uh, did really good. And then they're like, hey, you want to be on our team? Hey, here's a $2,000 shotgun. And it really felt like I was on a trap stand, you know, mm-hmm. just waiting for him to go across and hit the target. Yeah. It was not like your typical turkey hunt where you're on the ground with the gun on your knee, you know, nice and calm shot. It was uh, it was definitely action-packed. So I'm excited myself to go back and watch the video. And anybody watching, um, you're definitely going to gonna love it. And I know that it's, uh, it's going to be an awesome one, but... 
Um, I'll tell you what, don't love it. That's my body. I'm still hurting from uh, <laughs> from all of it, but it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. Well, we had a great time, and I think I can speak for everybody listening when I say thank you for uh, your service to the country and for sacrificing so stinking much, you know, of your your health. You know, as I mean, without a miracle, you're likely going to face, you know, consequences, I guess. Your body is going to is going to, you know, be a little bit different, you know, than everybody else's. It's going to react to things differently. And so that's not a, uh, a sacrifice that, um, that I, I would take lightly, you know, that's, that's important stuff. And, and I think, I think some people may listen or watch and say, man, that's just not fair that somebody gets to go and, and hunt a day early like that. But man, I think most people are of the opinion that if, if that's if that's the least we can do is to allow a guy like like you in, in your situation for all the things that you have sacrificed is you get to go out there and hunt a day early like man I, I would do it <laughs> I would allow that every single time if it were up to me and so I really appreciate that from you man and I appreciate the uh, the time getting to getting to hang out and get to know you and I, I think we'll probably do it again soon because uh, I, I know I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I did too. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. Definitely, it, uh, man. it means a lot. Yeah, it's definitely a, a mental struggle, you know, to know like you and I are the, the same exact age and uh, both being younger guys, it's, uh, it is disheartening when, you know, you, a lot of my friends, you know, they, or even older people, younger people, they, you know, like, hey, why can't you pick that up? And I'm like, I can't do it. Like, my back, like, I can't do it. I'll be in the hospital if I if I pick that up. Yeah. And people just don't understand the, the different levels of pain of, like, how bad I want to play basketball with my younger brother, but I can't because I know the result of that will not be good. Mm-hmm. And, um it's one of those things I, I keep my nutrition very healthy. I work out as much as that I, I possibly can, um, you know, with the limitations that I have so I can still go out and have a life and, you know, I can still be a good husband. I can still, you know, play with my kids and have fun with them. And then I can go at least do some kind of sport that I love. It's not, you know, football or basketball or the sports that I've always enjoyed um doing growing up but at least it's a sport that i can do and it's a sport that you know will last a lifetime and i would encourage anybody listening is um there's someone that you probably know out there that's your age that's younger than you or even as a kid and you need to get them out in the woods and you need to get them um learning some of these things turkey hunting deer hunting because the outdoorsman lifestyle is 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 decreasing it's not increasing and then um too there's a lot of people who don't want it to continue and we need more people that have experienced it so when they grow older they can fight for the right for us to keep doing this because it is such a blessing to be able to get out into the the outdoor space and really ultimately experience the goodness of god in a new way and uh, that's something that i wanted to say that i i said in the youtube video um you know, when everybody gets to watch it. But if you're out there, whether you're a veteran or you're not, and you're struggling either mentally 
physically, maybe emotionally, or either spiritually, any of those four pillars of life, you know, reach out to me, reach out to Parker. You know, we're both, we have a pastoral background and we, we love to help people. And even if we can't personally help you, we can connect you with someone who can. And uh, there's no reason, absolutely no reason that you should be fighting any kind of battle whatsoever alone. And I just want to encourage you to, to reach out and get help. Um, you're not weak when you ask for help. You're actually strong. That's the strength. And um, something that was really hard for me to internalize and, and really process because I wanted to tell everybody my body was good and I wanted to act like I was fine. But I wasn't sleeping, which was bleeding into to everything else. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, I have found out that the, the answer to, to all is not religion or some church. All the churches are great. It's not religion or church. It's a relationship with the Lord, with Jesus. And uh, ultimately, I would encourage you above all things to seek him first. You know, somebody encouraged me years ago to go through, pick up a Bible, and just start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And that's the, the four Gospels, and it just talks about Jesus' life and why he was sent to save us. And um, it just really can change your perspective in life in a world where social media or different things are just so toxic. We're just coming out of a huge political um, season where just so many things are just so toxic and thrown in our face. In 2020 with the pandemic, uh, what better time to give God a shot? I remember I got to a place where I didn't believe in God, and then I got so desperate, you know, suicidal, depressed, addicted, that I knew that I would at least give God a try because I had nowhere else to turn. And maybe you're listening to this and, you know, you feel like your back's pressed up against the wall. You want to do good. You want to be better. You want to be healed, but you don't know the answer. And I would encourage you just to try. Try reading the Gospels. Try reaching out to one of us and uh, having a share with you because ultimately at the end of the day, as you know, Parker, there's there's nothing that can change us except for ourselves with a relationship with the Lord. Uh, in conjunction together but uh, super thankful for having me uh on the podcast thankful for you coming out and in video and the hunt and i can't wait to see the video i know it's gonna be sick but uh, uh, really grateful to have a have a new friend and a new hunting buddy because i'm uh, i'm all about that i don't give all my secret hunting spots away but i'm <laughs> always looking for opportunities to connect with people and uh, get them out in the outdoors, whether it be for the first time and the first time in a long time. So, yeah, thanks for all that you do. You put out really good content. I've uh, I've watched your stuff for probably what? How long have you been doing it? Because I've been watching it, I feel like, for three or four years. Yeah, and, I think uh, that that's pretty close to it. That's pretty close to the amount of time I've been, uh, you know, doing. I was, started my new channel uh, back in July, but. Uh, was on the Sportsman's Nation channel with them for, I guess, two years. I, I'm going about three, going on four years, I guess. So, um, but like you said, man, I mean, so many people enjoy the outdoors and enjoy, you know, our sport. The thing I found that is really great about it is if I believed in something such as like Mother Nature, 
um, or or just didn't believe in anything that it just everything just kind of formed. I don't know that it would be quite as um, maybe the word is magical or it, it wouldn't mean quite as much to me being out in it. But the thing that is so true every time I go into the outdoors and I get to experience nature and I get to experience God's creation is knowing that it is God's creation. And um, you connect with him a lot better when you're able to connect with his creation. And so I, I never use this platform as a, a way to, um, you know, try to like put any type of religious belief or anything like that and force anybody to, to believe it. But it is definitely one of the things, you know, I think you, you, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head is that um, when you're able to enjoy it and connect with, with that, it just makes it so much better. It, it's more than just dirt, you know, it's more than just grass and trees. <laughs> it's, it's a creation and it's beautiful. And so, um, dude, again, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm happy to have another, another hunting buddy, somebody else that I can, uh, talk to when I'm struggling probably halfway through turkey season to kill a bird, <laughs> which is likely it feels like. <laughs> I know it's only uh, I know it's only the second day. Uh, it's funny. There's a guy down in South Alabama. His name's Cy Colley, and uh, he's a funny dude. I've had him on the podcast before. Yeah, he is. He killed a turkey today. It's yeah. the second day of turkey season. He killed it, and he said, "Finally!" <laughs> and somebody commented, "Like, dude, it's only the second day of the season." And uh, but that's, that's how I right. feel. I'm on day two, and I'm just like, if I kill one tomorrow, which I'm planning on going and trying to, if I kill one tomorrow, it'll be like, finally. It'll feel like it's been a thousand years since I shot one, but um, I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm regretting the the turkey I that walked today. I took my dad out for the first time turkey hunting, and we had a great time uh, in the woods together. It was really special getting to do that with him because we didn't get to do that a lot growing up, and um, it was cool to to. I mean, we we pulled up. There's hens in the field. They made their way into the tree tree line so we ease up to set up on the, the edge of the field where they just were hoping a gobbler will come through by the, the time the evening comes and no lie like I heard just like leash going crazy as we're coming in and he took a knee like right on the edge of the field like still like exposed not against the tree or anything and then I was up against the tree with my gun ready and a pile of jakes came in and man one had i mean it had like a five or six inch beard nothing crazy uh it had some really decent spurs on it and it was it was hefty he was a healthy healthy bird but it was still a jake and i just couldn't bring myself to do it but now that i'm sitting here talking about it I'm like man it would have been cool to get two birds in two days um but you know, I let it walk. Cause I would I have convinced myself it was Jake... a it was a mature two year old. <laughs> I, would, I know I would have. Yeah, if it had a swinging yeah, beard, when, I would have been like. When Jake walked, yeah. that's right. It was like one of those things. Like it was just kind of like it was kind of bouncing. It wasn't swinging. It was just kind of like bouncing a little. Uh huh. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of like my thing. If it's not, if it's not doing the whole swing, I can't, I can't shoot it. I gotta let it walk because. You know, a Jake that walks today is a is a big big gobbler next season, hopefully. So, well, um, I I agree. 
I got too much public land in me <laughs> where I'm just like, mm, <laughs> I think I can convince myself. Um, that's right. But dude, yeah. let's uh, let's if I hadn't already thing. got a bird, dude. Yeah, for sure. That would have been that's one thing. I mean, you killed one two days ago, and you know, you, it's not like you're you got the monkey off your back. You can kind of just relax that's and exactly and right. enjoy it, but. Let's wrap this thing up, dude. I like to to wrap it up with uh, just a couple quick questions, um, so people can you know learn about you, how you turkey hunt, what you like, and the things that you use. So uh, we'll end it with that. If that sounds good to you, yeah, man. All right, here we go. What kind of turkey gun are you using? Oh man, I am using a high dollar gun. Um, you might want to hold your breath because I don't know if your wallet can handle it. I bought a $350 Remington 870 Super Mag from Walmart about four years ago. I don't know what they're worth today, how much they cost with everything going on, but I spent $350 on it. I was pumped. I have a Rhino Choke in it. Um, the Choke, I got it. There was a place going out of business, so I got it for 40 bucks instead of like... 110 or something crazy is what I think retail was on it. And then, as we said already, shooting the, the tungsten loads, uh, federal number nine heavies. And uh, that is my turkey killing setup. I also use a Raven crossbow um, on some of the places that I hunt. And I really enjoy that too. Awesome. That's cool, man. That's, uh, that's a good gun. I'm convinced that. 870 is probably the most popular turkey gun. Uh, it's not expensive, which is great, and it's a great shooting. It's a great shooting gun. I really like mine. Um, I, I hope I get to shoot it soon. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> all right. So, are you a uh, are you a fried turkey breast guy? Or are you a grilled turkey breast guy? Oh, that is a good question. I would have to say. If somebody else that knows how to cook it can do it, I would prefer fried um, because it tastes better. If I am cooking it because I am not the master chef, I am going to go with grilled because that's the easiest way for me to prep it, cook it, and it tastes like a good, healthy, really oversized chicken breast. Yep. I uh, It's definitely healthier to grill it, but I'm a sucker for fried fried turkey breast. It's so good. I can't hardly, I can't hardly pass it up. And the dadgum little jokers, they don't have a ton of meat on them, so you kind of have to just decide. Like, am I going to fry this one, or am I going to grill this one? Um, That's right. exactly right, yeah. Do you, uh, do you eat the legs at all? Um, I do not, but I am going to try it now that you have told me the, the secret recipe. It's pretty good, and... It sounds like that's all you got. You're able to get off of this. Uh, this yeah, one. that's uh, that's really why. Um, yeah, the, that's the only meat that was on there. I actually, I remember us having the conversation about turkey legs, and I'm like, eh, I don't really want those things. Yeah. And then I went to open up the breast, and there's no breast. It's just it looked like you know when you just really mangle a dove with yep. your shot, and you're like, well, just throw this one in the trash. Um, that's exactly what it was like. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. Um, well, hey, so, go throw that yeah, thing in the slow cooker. Throw that, throw those legs in the slow cooker and do some, some like pulled, it's almost like pulled pork, honestly. It's really good. All right. So, uh, 
Would you rather hunt them in the fields or in the woods? Cool. Um, I think I am a woods guy for sure. I, um, I love seeing them in the field come in, especially from a long distance when you've called them. And then they, sh they get up close to where you've called and they're looking for you. So they start strutting, but they can't really find you. And they, that look of confusion's on their face. Um, I do love that, but there's something more challenging about hunting them in the woods. And that's how I've killed the two other birds that I've killed um, before this third one. And I love when they come into the woods. Um, you know what? I just remembered. I have killed three birds. So that was my fourth one, because I killed two in the woods and I killed one on the field. Um, but yes, I prefer the um, I prefer the woods because I love that they're kind of like I want to strut, but I can't find the hen. I'm kind of looking around. I'm confused. Yep, they're um, gone. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> I love it. Element of surprise. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, let's see here. You know what? We've been going for a little while. I'm going to let you go, but I do have one last question that I think you already answered. But you may have answered it a little bit differently than what I thought you would originally answer it. So, will you or would you ever, on purpose, shoot a Jake? Um, never say never. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, every time I've ever said that I would never do something, I think God laughed, and then uh, next thing you know, it was right in front of me, and I was having to do it. So, I'll never say never, but uh, it would be tough. It would be, in, it, it'd, be it'd be in my book, at, at my stage of deer hunting, it would be the equivalent of shooting like that two and a half to three and a half year old eight point. It's like 120 inches. Like it just, uh, I would that, think that sounds of all pretty the great to me. Honestly, that it sounds is. really, that <laughs> sounds like a great deer to me. I just love watching deer so much that I would have just thought about all of its potential that it could have had and how big it could have been if I would have let it walk. I mean, then it'll go across the property lines and the neighbors will kill it anyway, but at least I gave it a chance. Yeah. So kind of falls in that same boat for me. Okay. That's a, that's a fair answer. Um, tomorrow you're going to be sending me a picture of a little five inch beard, six inch beard, <laughs> super Jake, but we're good with it. <laughs> yeah, if, I hunt, if I hunt tomorrow, uh, my wife might disown me. So I, hear um, you. I will, uh, I got to work. I got to work a little bit and spend some time with them tomorrow. But the next day I've already got it planned. I'll be back in the woods. Good deal, man. Well, good luck. The rest of the season, you only got four turkey tags to burn left, and uh, this is going to be the last season that you get to kill five of them, so go and take advantage of that crap. And uh, I'm going to go try oh, to get man. my first one on the ground this week. Well, good luck, man. I know you'll do it. It's not if it's when. So it's uh, make it happen. Sure hope so, dude. Cool, man. Well, you have a good night, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you guys again for listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm uh, I'm super excited about uh, being able to 
uh, start friendship with Taylor. He's a super cool guy, and uh, we had a great, great time. It's a really good way to start out a friendship is going out and killing a turkey together. So, again, go and check us out on YouTube. You can see the video of this full hunt, and uh, it's going to be really, really good. So, we've also got some other turkey hunting footage on there. So, please, I, I mean... If you listen to this show and you think, I just can't get enough of Southern Ground Hunting, uh, you can always go check us out on YouTube at Southern Ground Hunting. We've got lots of videos there, lots of videos coming up here in the next uh, several weeks as turkey season gets gets uh, gets fired up. I hope we've got videos coming up. My gosh, I'm in that point right now where I feel like I'm never going to kill one, but uh, hopefully it'll all come together and the stars will align at some point and, uh, and we'll get a turkey on the ground, so... Um, again, check out tetherednation.com, uh, screegear.com, newcanoe.com, and spartanforge.ai. Uh, these are the people that make the show possible. They're the ones who um, really support us and the things that we do and the ad- adventures that, that we're doing right now You know, with the podcast and the YouTube channel. These guys have, have really poured out their support on us. And also, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens. You guys support us, and we love it. And uh, and uh, and I, I just would not do it if it weren't for being able to get the messages and things that I get from each and every one of you. So thank you again so much for listening. You guys, if you're going to be out in the woods chasing those turkeys, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.